Hey, everybody, it's Saturday night, and I'm feeling all right. But it's not Saturday night, it's Sunday, because I just forgot what day it was. Mistakes, folks, it's important. It's important to know yours, and it's okay to make them. I just did. It's Sunday. doesn't really matter. Here's the thing, is that there is a slave ship, and it's going across the English Channel. And there are hundreds of slaves, 50 on each side. And they're in there, and they're rowing on this rowboat. And this is obviously you know, 1700s, late 1700s. And you've got the beat master up there hitting the drum and telling him to go. And uh, all of a sudden the captain leans over to the first mate and says something real quiet, then walks off and go to his cabin. And the first mate goes downstairs and he sees the slave and they are just in a loincloth. They're sweating. They smell. They don't even get to go up and go to the bathroom. Their feet are chained and they're just, you know, their upper bodies are yoked, but their lower bodies. Or has just whittled away because they ultimately get no movement. And that the food that they get, unfortunately, isn't, uh, isn't enough to sustain. And they're just in a horrible place. And as they continue to row in the Beatmaster, he says, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, can we please stop rowing? I've got some news for you. And all the slaves' heads obediently look up at the first mate. And he says, uh, I've got some good news and I got some bad news. And you hear the oh, grumbles. And then the taskmaster whips a couple and silence. The first mate says, well, I'll I'll let you have the good news. You get extra rations tonight and an extra cup of water and some clean underwear. And ah, the cheers go out and resound through the hole and reverberate through the waters and whales echoes. He says, the bad news is the captain wants to water ski. Stay tuned. It's a good show tonight. I'm sorry. I had the movie up two mistakes. It's not Saturday. And I forgot to turn down the volume on the movie because the last movie was Van Jones crying and sobbing into his microphone. And unfortunately, he just couldn't speak up, it seemed. My name is Matt with Don't Unfriend Me. Wonderful to have you. Looks like some old friends are coming out from underneath the rocks who have defriended me and decided or I've defriended them. And I had Carlos come by. If you check the last night's episode, the comments there, he left me a nice comment, backhanded compliment about how he wished me a million subscribers and that I unfriended him uh, because he um, was a progressive liberal socialist. And that's why I defriended him. And I, and I explained, no, that's not why. And remember, I can't cuss on the show, so I won't. Uh, Carlos, I defriended you because you are a... Uh, so just want to make sure I cleared up that point before we started. What do we do here on Don't Unfriend Me? We talk about politics, current events, and a bunch of fun stuff. All I ask is that we don't defriend each other at the end. I've made that mistake in the past, just like we all have. I'm working through my list. Uh, I've got a lot of people who've blocked me, and I've blocked, and I try to be a little more amicable, but I'm not perfect. Uh, the last time I looked, I couldn't turn water into wine, and I, I couldn't uh, part the Red Sea. And um, I didn't go on a hunger strike for my people and subsequently die of it. So I've got some flaws, folks, as we all do. We're, we're, we're men and women and sinners. So listen, what are we going to do tonight? Um, I haven't actually tweaked this, uh, this graphic out, so it's going to pop up really big. But my dummies, which are the Don't Unfriend Me Nation, the dumb nation, since we're deplorable and we're chumps and uh, all other names in the book, I figured I would name 
my uh, my uh, audience, and we are now the dummies. And I can't wait for the shirts. How good are those going to look? Get a couple dumb dumb suckers crossing, and uh, or I am a dummy with don't unfriend me underneath. We'll get some cool gear. But the dummies have spoken, and we had uh, nineteen people take part in this little workaround poll on Facebook, and it was tied nine nine. And it, this was very reflective of of Donald Trump and 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 Biden. I was getting a little frustrated here, but we had someone break the tie. And in fact, we are going to talk about Donald Trump tonight. And these are really the things that I believe makes him uh, one of the best presidents that we've ever had. And I think history will be kind to Donald Trump, although uh, the media certainly will not. And it will come down as one of the contentious presidencies in history. Um, Certainly back to Alexander Hamilton comes to mind. Uh, Ronald Reagan comes to mind. The media was avidly against him. And, you know, obviously they were avidly against Donald Trump. Before we get started, I forgot to say it. Please like, share, subscribe now. It helps. We have been getting more and more each day. We're almost at 500 likes, 400 uh, uh, followers. And uh, we've got our podcast going. The website's going. I'm going to move in the Twitch in a little bit. And we're starting to see the show take off, which is good. And, and if we can keep up this pace, we're going to have some more people come out of the woodwork, I'm sure, from my past, which is always fun. So bring it on, I say, as I cast thee with a broadsword to take out thy knee. Uh, let the skeletons come, lest they be damned. So what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about Donald Trump. And you voted on it, and I took the things that I truly felt uh, made him great and the good and the bad and the first thing that i want to talk about is donald trump's wit um a lot of people portray donald trump as stupid or slow or focused on uh monosyllabic vocabulary and this is the furthest thing from the truth when donald trump gets excited he tends to repeat himself and he tends to latch on to the same vernacular over and over and over um, because he is a blunt force object. He beats his point home and beats it into submission. But that doesn't mean he isn't quick-witted, that he wasn't easy um, to crack a smile and to not flirt, but to flatter people and was very, very charming. But his wit was was on point. Um, a lot of the things you look at the debate were unscripted. In fact, you found out that Donald Trump did not actually rehearse or practice any of the debates. And a lot of you are like, well, that was obvious. But no, it, he his third debate was masterful. And his third debate against Hillary Clinton was masterful and Biden. In fact, if he would have had the third for his first, we would be celebrating Donald Trump's win, I believe, minus the ballots. But he's extremely clever, quick-witted. And I always found myself uh, amazed at when he would get the proverbial gut punch in on people, especially the media. And with a simple word, like words like fake news would shut down reporters and would lure them into a false sense of security. And he would almost be like, yes, uh-huh. Mm-hmm, I agree with, okay. And you're fake news. And that's why I don't listen. And, and people were just like, what happened? It was extremely quick. Um, Kellyanne Conway would tell you that, that she learned a ton from him um, about his, uh, his pecan wit. So that's one of the big ones for me that I admire when it comes to Mr. Donald Trump. Probably one of my favorites is his disdain for war and to get out of proxy wars across the United States. 
President Barack Obama was in 16 different countries, 16 proxy wars across the United States. Never have we seen so many since we were in the Galapagos and in Greece and in Turkey and Pakistan and India and Afghanistan and Russia. These proxy wars, every president has them. Donald Trump was the first without any conflict like that. In fact, he downscaled our troops. He revitalized our military, put trillions into, um, well, not trillions, but billions into defense and, and made our country stronger. All the while, focused on defense rather than offense or world policing. It's, it's one of his most admirable qualities. And what was funny is what makes it so important is that the media was so focused that he was going to go to war with North Korea, where they were mixing up Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. And when we talk about hotspots, which I think is going to be the topic for tomorrow, where our next war will be, um, I think there's a little bit of uh, foreshadowing into that. But his disdain for war was not something he was okay with. When we lost the SEAL team members and he sent in the team early in his his uh, presidency and we lost that team, that was about it for him. And that's one of the reasons why General Mattis was no longer employed. A lot of people think that there was a conflict between them. There certainly was, but he was done listening to um, the generals and the admirals and and decided to listen to someone who he believed, which was um, the soldiers on the ground, and listen to his close, close uh, counsel, but not necessarily listen to the, the heads of the military. Um, he had a lot of disputes with the generals. He replaced a lot of the generals. He, he demanded resignations from a lot of the generals and ultimately made a, a strong decision, um, especially in the last three and a half years of his presidency, which showed a tolerance that the U.S. has never had before. Now, there were some things people say that we should, and the Democrats tried to bait him, especially with the, the headhunting of American soldiers, which there's no fact to that. There's no truth to that. It simply was he has no backbone, and the Democrats tried to do that, which is interesting since most of the wars we've gotten into are because of Democrats, and ultimately that's probably what will happen in the next four years. But his disdain for war was one of his most admirable qualities, but his love for the military um, I don't think we've had a president since Reagan who has demonstrated such loyalty and love to the men and women of the armed forces. And you can disagree and say that John McCain uh, denounces that statement I just made, but John McCain was a weasel. A war hero, yes. An amazing human being, yes. But he was a political fat cat. And he was a rhino, a Republican in name only, and which is treacherous to other Republicans. I don't care as much. I think it added balance, and I think it added some interesting conversations. But Donald Trump found it to be disloyal and false to run as a Republican, but be the linchpin that stopped a lot of things that were unconstitutional, including ACA, from being stopped. So it's okay to... Folks, I want to be sure you're clear. It's okay to challenge a veteran. Just because they're veterans doesn't mean that their their proverbial caca doesn't stink. It's not roses. It's the same type of brand, and it's the same type of uh, aroma as everybody else's. And it's okay to challenge. Now, he shouldn't have called him a 
you know, not a hero because he got caught. I think that was stupid. And I completely cast out that comment. But the other things he said about John McCain are pretty true. So his disdain for war is important. We'll get to his flaws later. But I do believe that he strongly, strongly represented the United States for the first president in 75 years, not to get into an open conflict, 65 years. It's pretty impressive. Let's get to the next. His epic trolling. The man lived under a bridge and had a sack of gold and warts all over his body and was a particular shade of green. An amazing troll who would club people ad nauseum with his Twitter account and his ability to rile them up and own the media. We saw that over 92% of the media on the opposing media, MSNBC, CNN, said Trump more than any other word. And he could own the segments. And when something came unflattering that he said, he could change the topic with one tweet. And he got the media to be his lapdog and didn't have to spend a lot on commercials because he was being talked about. We'll be right back with a commercial, one commercial about Joe Biden that lasts 30 seconds for another 15 whole minutes talking about Donald Trump. I mean, that was the adage. His trolling was epic. He trolled world leaders. It was entertaining. It was fun. Do you remember when he got in a, got in a Twitter war with Kim Jong-un? It's priceless. Uh, you can't pay for that type of entertainment. And I thought was probably one of his most redeeming qualities. Although Twitter got him in trouble and his trolling got him in trouble, it certainly did more good than harm, especially for his base. He was a troll master. And even if you walked into a debate with Donald Trump with good intentions and the altruistic motives to stay poised and professional, by the end of it, you were saying, nana, nana, boo-boo, stick your head in doo-doo to the guy. He had the ability to bring people back down to high pants and pooping in their pants um, and turning us all into preschoolers at time and juveniles. And I thought that was probably one of his most redeeming qualities. His policies. I could go on all day about this. I have done it. You've seen my show. I can rattle them off and fire them off like a an M60 in Rambo's arm as he blows away communist Vietnam. His policies were more conservative than Ronald Reagan. And Ronald Reagan, surprisingly enough, was not the most conservative president we've ever had. In fact, he was not very conservative at all. He did not stop regulation. He put many regulations in place which crippled small businesses and ultimately why Reaganomics failed. Um, Reagan was not the most conservative from a fiscal policy, from a worldview was very much a nationalist and also um, stayed out of most conflicts or these conflicts that he did have were very, very quick. Um, his policies were Republican through and through. And for a man who donated to Democrats most of his life uh, and, and was a fairly blue collar Democrat most of his life and fairly moderate, but still a Democrat. His policies were more Republican than we've ever seen for abortion, religion, for the Second Amendment, for pulling out of the 
Paris Accord and climate change and uh, clean air and clean water is what we want, but let's burn some coal. I mean, the guy was absolutely conservative and a Republican through and through more than any other president, in my opinion, that we've ever had since the platform has been established since 1860, 1865, when we truly had a platform for the party. He followed it. So I've got to give him credit. I mean, he he appointed 300 plus some odd judges, three Supreme Court judges, all Republican through and through. Um, he He did appoint a few moderates, but overall, staunch Republicans. He did everything he said he was going to do. His policies were probably his biggest success in what he did. His conservatism. He redefined conservatism. And I want, this is a different topic because policies and his conservatism are two different things. He brought Republicans together. He taught us it was okay to fight back again, to have a backbone that just because we're Christians or just because we tend to be a little more polite with our Southern upbringing and our military families and our non-college blue-collar parents because that's predominantly what our party is. He allowed us to bring the working class back and the unions and the police and the military to come under the banner of Republicans. 70 million people voted for him. By the time this is all done, it's going to be close to 72. We don't know how many voted for Biden because we haven't had a chance to recount these ballots yet. But when we do, I think you're going to find that President Trump will come down as one of the most popular presidents because of his ability to put everyone under the umbrella and bring the Republican together. We are stronger than ever. We've had our civil war and the Democrats are about to have theirs. The internal conflict between socialism and progressive liberalism. And there are no moderate Democrats. And although Joe Biden is a man without a country, he is absolutely Caesar at this point. He is a man without a nation. He is Maximus. He has no home. The Spaniard has no home. Because he is ultimately alone. We can't say that for conservatism. It's stronger than it's ever been. And we've proven that. And I will be honest with you, by the time this is all said and done, you may very well find that there are more Republicans who actively participate in voting than Democrats. Just because they have more ballots doesn't mean a thing. We don't know that yet. And how did Wisconsin show up with 79% of the people voting? 79, really? Let's talk about all the youth, babies. How about the elderly and the non-ambulatory people? How many millions are there? Does it equal more than 21% of the population? I'm pretty confident the youth does. And the extreme senior citizens and the sick or the incapacitated who aren't able to vote. How's that possible? We'll find out coming to a theater near us after a few recounts. Let's uh, not digress too much. His family from Ivanka to Don to Eric to Jared. He has an amazing family and it reminds me of my uncle. And there is one thing about my uncle that I will tell you. He was a hard man. He was a hard man to like if you didn't know him because he was tough and he was strong and he demanded excellence from people around him. But once you got to know him, he was a big teddy bear, and I like to think that I have some of his mannerisms, a few. And I admired the man more than anything. And the one thing that he did was he kept his family together. 
and they stayed together, all in a small town in California, and in fact expanded that family when my wife and my son and daughter were there and brought us in. And he wrapped his arms around his family. That was very important. Well, Donald Trump has done the same. His father was not extremely loving, was very, very harsh, and he praises his children and does things that he didn't receive. And although people have sniped from afar and cast rocks, his family is admirable and they are very intelligent, smart, and beautiful people. And I, I hope the Trump family will stay in politics, not for very long. I don't, I don't want the Clintons and the Bush times too, but I still believe that they have the ability to impact our government, certainly from a fiscal and policy standpoint. I would love to see it. His ability to play 4D chess. He was playing a different game than other people. He was playing the long game. The man didn't think in days or months or quarters. He thought in years. He was planning for this re-election bid and had a better turnout. It's easy to write a ballot. People waited in line for him. 75% of the votes that were cast were for him on election day. That is quite the turnout. And when we find that all the dust settles, it'll be hands down the largest turnout for any candidate ever. By far. He played a game with the media. He played a game with world leaders. And even when he was wrong, he would stand up there magnanimously and pretend that he was right, which was also a fault. But his ability to play in a fourth dimension that people could not see the moves that he was making was absolutely ridiculous. His rallies, at his finest at rallies, he was an entertainer. He was a master of ceremonies. He was a magician. He was a keynote speaker. Every rally, the tempo, the temperance, the inflection was exactly the same. And it didn't matter if he started at six in the morning or ended at three in the morning. Every person got the same experience. His energy was unsurpassed. His work ethic was tireless. And his rallies were something to behold, where simply the, the media narrative, if you ever wanted to find that it was inaccurate and untrue, is all you had to do was go to a rally and see the love fest that took place. Politicians were reluctant at first to have Trump rally for them, and then they realized as they saw the results, the undeniable results of moving certain candidates from sheer death to the win column, repeated ad nauseum. The man could inspire the uninspirable, motivate the unmotivated, and raise the dead to life. I have never seen a speaker with qualities like him, ever. And I happen to believe that I can rile up an audience pretty well. He's amazing. Twitter, oh Twitter, twiddle my pittered, pattered heart. There was nothing like a three in the morning tweet from Donald Trump. 260 characters or less would completely just melt the brains of the liberals. He had a power to say nothing 
and say everything at the same time. He would use it to tell untruths. He would use it to twist people's words. He would stab with a stiletto made of titanium randomly into the ether that would seem to always strike the hearts of the weakest of the weakest. The man was excellent at bringing his message to his followers. And at 130 million users, it's not baffling why the message is fairly consistent in the Republican Party. He wields a broadsword stronger than Excalibur, more potent than Aegis Fane, more deadly than Kroll's five-pointed throwing star of death. It's a weapon to behold. And I hope it doesn't stop. And I believe presidents will come to lament for the rest of their lives that they have created Twitter accounts because he will continue to troll Biden every minute of the day. And Biden will get nothing out to his people that isn't tarnished and mucked by the footprint and the heel print of Donald Trump's boot. And lastly, and most importantly, his flaws. And he had many. Barack Obama tore this nation apart and had a very large power to yield that could have healed our country. And he could have risen up above the white supremacists and the racists who have kept him down for most of his life. The man rose to the most powerful seat in the world and decided to divide our country even more with his blatant disregard for the police and his inability to dismiss parties such as the Black Panthers and the fringe elements of BLM and the George Soros-funded groups and the inability to say Islamic terrorism. On the other hand, Donald Trump took it back to the middle and went continued past that. And there were groups that should have been struck down immediately. But in the end, Donald Trump did the right thing. The Ku Klux Klan, the racist skinheads, and any groups such as that, including Antifa, are now labeled terrorist groups and hate groups. He did the right thing in the end. He waited too long sometimes. He mucked up coronavirus when he had a chance to and was killing it in the early parts, 62% approval, and then somehow latched on that masks were unpopular to endorse and argued with scientists. And he lost a certain demographic of the vote. Not once in four years did Donald Trump ever say the words, I'm sorry or I'm wrong. And that is his biggest flaw. But ultimately, it's what made him most human and most affable and lovable to people who admired him. But it also made him admonished and hated by the people who disliked him. But in the end, that's what we asked for, a smart businessman. We asked for a leader who would tell us the truth, warts and all. And he did just that. I feel that history will reflect on his presidency kindly. 
they will find out a lot of things about him. That he did not collude with Russia. That he should not have been impeached. That he wasn't a racist or a xenophobic or Islamophobic or homophobic or any of the phobics. That he was just a man who believed that the United States of America was worth protecting. And there was a time that we were great and eclipsed our own potential. Maybe not for everybody. But that if we went back to that time, that it could be for everybody. I lament and wish we had another four years. And as I reflect upon yesterday's yesterday's and tomorrow's tomorrow's, I worry that we will go back instead of going forward. That the groundwork that we've laid will ultimately be torn up. I think Joe Biden has a massive responsibility to find a few of these characteristics that made Donald Trump so magnificent, and he needs to shed the ones that did the opposite. Nobody is perfect. Joe Biden will have wins. He will fail. And how history decides to speak about him ultimately will not be decided from the media. It will not be decided by foreign governments. It will not be decided by the history books. It will be decided by the people of America. And I would have it no other way. Veteran Crisis Hotline, 1-800-273-8255. Veterans need your help. 22 veterans a day commit suicide. It's way too many. You can make a phone call. If you see the signs, people who aren't talking much anymore, people who are staring off into the distance, maybe there's drug abuse, whatever that is, it may not be easy for you to make that call. It's hard to spot. Veterans are very tight-lipped and quiet professionals. If you sense something, give me a call. People on this show, Troy, Mark, they're military, and you'll see the military people on this show Reach out to one of us. We'll make that call with you. If I've got a fly out, we'll do it too. 22 a day is way too many. Folks, thank you for staying with me. I appreciate it. Once again, please like, share, subscribe. This was a very mellow show because I really wanted to try to do it justice. And you hear about policy. You hear about conservatism. You hear about wit. But each of you have things that you love about Donald Trump comment below. Let me know what you think. I'd love to hear it or what you hated about him too, because I think that dialogue is also important. Like, share, subscribe. It helps every single time. Folks, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for staying with me. We'll see you next time.